This message comes to you from City Bible Church in Portland, Oregon, where we are committed to living like Jesus and sharing His love. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. In this series that we've been in called Unlikely Heroes, we're, we're really talking about one big idea. And this is it. This is the big idea. And uh, I want everybody to dial into this thought get it into their hearts, get it into their spirits. Here it is. Here's the big idea. is that God uses extremely unlikely and ordinary people. Unlikely and ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And if you've ever looked in the mirror and you thought, you know, I'm just an unlikely, ordinary person, then really this series is for you. What we're doing right now as a church is we're trying to farm that sense of of worth, that sense of value that's actually resident in every single individual within the sound of my voice because they've got God's breath in their lungs, because you're alive, because you were created in his image, and the Bible says you were fearfully and wonderfully made. There's something that's profound that God has in store for you. But many times in the ordinariness of life, if that is a word, I don't really know, but in the ordinariness of life, we, we get lost in the shuffle. And we get lost to those that are standing in a spotlight that's brighter than maybe what anybody else shines on us in our world. Today, we're actually gonna move into a chapter of this particular series, and we're gonna dial into and talk about a guy named Epaphras who was fairly ordinary. In fact, you maybe have never even heard his name. He's only mentioned three times in Scripture here, and in just a moment, we're gonna actually read all three of the times that his name is mentioned in Scripture. We're actually gonna learn a ton about this guy, Epaphras, in three times that the Apostle Paul mentions his name. But the reality is he never wrote a book in the New Testament. He never held a seminar that was documented in historical facts and and figures. There was nothing about the size of his church that was ever promoted in the documents of historical record. There's nothing about this guy that you'd look at and say, wow, I can really see why Paul took time to mention his name in scripture. Other than the fact Paul mentions him in a very specific way. And Paul talks about him with strategic words and strategic thoughts and what he actually does is he gives us hope for every ordinary person, for every uh, person who would ever look in the mirror and say, I don't think I really am somebody who would ever stand up in the public arena and people uh, uh, come by the masses to listen to them and therefore I'm not very much. If you've ever looked at yourself or wondered about yourself and thought, I don't think I'm very significant in the kingdom of God, then this message really is for you. If you're here today and you've thought, you know, I'm a nobody, I'm just a hometown guy or a hometown gal, I'm just kind of down to earth and I'll never do anything really significant, then really this word is for you. Because what we find in the scriptures is that this guy, Epaphras, was exactly that. He was an extremely ordinary person, but he did extraordinary things. Listen to these three verses. These are powerful thoughts, but they start in Colossians chapter one, and and Paul is actually writing, the apostle Paul, the guy who wrote over two-thirds of the New Testament, he's writing and he's documenting some thoughts he's wanting to send to the church in Colossae. And this is what he writes. Colossians chapter one, verse three to eight, he says, we always thank God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope that's laid up for you in heaven. Of this you've heard before in the word of truth, the gospel which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it's bearing fruit and increasing, 
as it also does among you. Since the day you heard it and you understood it, what did you understand? You understood the grace of God in truth just as you learned it from who? From Epaphras. So he's writing to the church and he says, I'm amazed by your love. I'm amazed by your interaction with each other. I'm amazed at how you've responded to the gospel. And by the way, the guy who's taught you all of this, his name is Epaphras. First time in scripture that you ever would have heard his name, but now he's documenting this guy and his influence in the church at Colossae. And, it, and he goes on and he says, from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, for he's a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the spirit. It's a powerful portion of scripture. Now he goes on in Colossians chapter four, verse 12 to 13. He says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you. He's sending his love to you. Always struggling on your behalf in his prayers. That you may stand mature and fully assured in the will of God. For I bear him witness that he's worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and in Hierapolis. And then one more time, one little verse in Philemon, verse 23, he mentions him one more time and he says, one more thing. Please prepare a guest room for me for I'm hoping that God will answer your prayers and let me return to you soon. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you his greetings. The third time he mentions Epaphras, Epaphras is actually in prison with him. He's in chains with him. He's bound with him. And he says, he's sending you greetings. So, so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my coworkers. Three different times he mentions him, twice as he's writing this epistle to the church at Colossae, and once in this letter that he's writing to try to get somebody to forgive this slave that had stolen some money. And he mentions him and he says, oh, by the way, this guy's in prison with me and he's sending his greetings. Who was this guy? What's, what's the backstory? What's really going on here? Well, I have to tell you a little story to get to that. I don't know how many of you right now are watching the Olympic Games. I'm actually enjoying in the evenings watching the Olympics. Do I have anybody else who's enjoying this right now? I had a, a guy come to me after the first service and he said, man, I'm from Puerto Rico and we won a gold this week. And I was so excited for him. You know, it's so cool to just see uh, so many people from all over the world and the success that they're having. One particular guy, maybe you've heard of him, his name is Michael Phelps. Have you ever heard of Michael Phelps before? Fairly interesting, just yesterday he won his 23rd gold medal and he actually has become the most decorated athlete since 152 BC. That, that, that should garner a little bit of shock, a little bit of something. I mean, maybe, maybe we're kind of used to the story by now. This guy is an animal, he's unbelievable. 23 gold medals, the most decorated athlete since 152 BC. Yeah, okay, all right, that's what I thought. It's shocking, it's amazing, it's, it's surprising to see. You know what I think is really interesting is this guy who really, according to our culture and our way of doing things, when he stands up to receive the medal, the spotlight's on him. But how many have watched in the ceremonies, how many times has the spotlight's been on him that he's actually looked up and caught the eyes of his mom in the stands? He shifts the spotlight of the entire planet, the entire planet from him to his mom. And when he shifts the spotlight, he even goes up into the stands and he greets her and she's in tears and he talks about her, he writes about her and what he says is I wouldn't be the man that I am without her. 
Raised in a single parent home, not really in relationship with his dad, he says, man, this lady's impacted my life. She taught me character. She taught me integrity. And I wouldn't be in this spotlight if it wasn't for her. You know, it takes a real man of character to be able to stand in a spotlight and then give the spotlight to somebody else. How many know if there isn't something deep going on in your heart, you'll stand in the spotlight and you'll take it all in and you'll appreciate it and you'll love it and you'll think, man, that's the greatest thing ever. Look what I did and look where it gets me. But you know, he didn't say, look what I did and look where it gets me. He said, look at who stands behind me and what they put into my life that gave me the discipline, that gave me the fortitude, that gave me the consistency, that gave me the willingness to go the extra mile to get to this place. There was another athlete I was watching this week and her name is Michelle Carter and she won the gold medal in the women's shot put first ever in US history. And as she won it, she actually looked at her dad's in the stand or her dad in the stands and he actually won a silver medal in 1984 for the shot put and she kind of looked at him and she said, gotcha. <laughs> she won the gold medal, he got the silver and, and she said, gotcha. And then as she was talking to the reporter, the reporter said, hey, tell me about your relationship to your dad. And she said, well, first of all, I'm pretty competitive. He's competitive and I did better than him. That's the first thing that I'm gonna say. She said, the second thing that I'm gonna say is if it wasn't for him, I don't think I'd be standing where I am today. Isn't that interesting? We can actually take a spotlight that's put on us and shift it to somebody else. We can actually turn it in for good reason. In this situation, they turned it to somebody who actually maybe also could have been in the spotlight, but for whatever reason over the course of their life, Michael Phelps' mom never would have been in the spotlight. But she did something in her time to impact somebody who would end up in the spotlight and she was okay with her relative obscurity in life. Relative obscurity, ordinary, background living, in our culture doesn't get a lot of accolades, but you don't get the public accolades of another without some background living somewhere else along the way. You've gotta have some people who stand up for what's right, who never take the public platform. They actually do the right thing regardless of whether the spotlight's on them. Do you realize today the spotlight is not an indicator of real success? how widely your name is known and your books are published and the documents that you develop and the blog that you write, how widely it's circulated is not an indicator of your real success. You can have all the spotlight in the world and never do anything for God. And I would wonder, are you really a hero in God's eyes? I would wonder today if if, if your name is in lights and people know you everywhere and you've got the greatest success outwardly imaginable, but inside your heart's in turmoil and your family's in chaos, I'd wonder what the Lord really has in store and what he really wants to speak to you about today. How are real heroes born? How are real heroes developed? And what does a real hero look like in God's eyes? The public platform is not the indicator of a real hero. The fact of the matter is what happens on the inside of a person and what begins to build a platform for their life is what indicates whether somebody's a true hero or not. Paul had quite a ministry. The apostle Paul traveled all over Asia Minor. He 
planted churches, he developed leaders, he spoke into troubled situations, he penned over two-thirds of the New Testament. Everybody knows the Apostle Paul. And when Paul walked into the room, people said, oh, Paul. When people read his letters and talk about him today, they say, there is a man who deserves the spotlight. He went through shipwrecks and he stood on Mars Hill and he, he, he fought at the Oropagus. This guy was amazing. And when Paul got the spotlight, Paul said, let me turn the spotlight to another hero. Somebody who would never normally stand in the spotlight, but they in and of themselves are a hero. Something's going on on the inside that actually is indicative of somebody who is deserving of the spotlight, but might never actually get it. I wanna to talk to every mom who's worked hard to raise their kids today. I wanna to talk to every dad who's been faithful at their job to bring a paycheck home and be consistent in the way that you provided for your family. I wanna to talk to those of you who feel like you've raised your children well and you disciplined and you, you did your best, but then your spouse walked out on you or your child walked away and is now living a wasteful kind of life. I wanna to talk to those of you who've done well and are doing well, but feel like you're not being successful. I wanna to talk to those who live in obscurity and I wanna to talk to those who maybe never stand on a platform and you wonder, am I a hero in God's eyes? I wanna tell you that the Bible and Epaphras in his life and his journey says, yes, you are. Yes, you are. Epaphras was a native of this city of Colossae. Probably never really traveled very far outside of it except one day he went to the city of Ephesus and while he was there, there was this great man named Paul who was preaching and Epaphras heard what he was preaching and actually was converted under his ministry probably discipled by either Paul directly or some people who were disciples of Paul's, actually trained him and impacted his life. And there came a point where Epaphras said, you know, I want to do something in my city. Just a little city. Actually kind of a no-name city. It's not on a big trade route. It's not on a place where people would go like Ephesus, man. When people go to Ephesus, they need to buy their, their, their clothes and they need to trade for things. And there's actually barter routes and things that would actually be indicative of a larger place, but they didn't go to Colossae for that. This guy, Epaphras, born and raised there, saved under Paul's ministry, says, I think I wanna do something in my city. We started to gather a few people together and started to preach and pretty quick the group started to grow. And as the group started to grow, Hierapolis, which was a little neighboring town, some people started to come over and hear the gospel. And so he said, man, I think I'll do something over there in Hierapolis too. And pretty quick, he had a little multi-site congregation going in Asia Minor. And, and this guy Epaphras, who's only mentioned three times in the scripture, starts discipling all kinds of people. And as things start to grow and flourish and he gets pretty excited about it, again, he's not written a book in the Bible. He's not putting on seminars of how to build a multi-site church. He's not outwardly the most successful or even dominant kind of personality. He says, I think I'm gonna go talk to Paul. I'm gonna tell him about what's going on and maybe, maybe he'll have some counsel for me and some wisdom and then I'll come back and do a little bit better job. When you actually study Epaphras' life, his, his name even means charming and lovely, which meant he's probably just a nice guy. Hometown guy, small town hero, pastor and a few people, and his name was never in lights. 
Now, maybe you're not a pastor, but have you ever felt like, man, I'm just raising my kids? I'm just getting by, I'm just paying my bills, I'm working my job. I don't know that I'm really doing anything like Paul, man. Paul's the real hero, I'm just a nobody. See, we all class ourselves and we all compare ourselves. And Epaphras shows up in Paul's world, which Paul happens to be in prison at the time that he shows up there. He's in Rome, he's in chains. Chains aren't long enough for him to give Epaphras a hug when he comes in, so he's kind of got to do a little fist bump, you know? <laughs> Epaphras comes in, he's like, hey, Paul, how you doing? He's like, good, just a little fist bump, sit down, how you doing? Wish I could offer you something, but we're in prison, I have nothing to offer you, man. No, that's fine, I just kind of want to talk to you here. And he starts to unpack his story, and he says, this is what's happened in Colossae. This is what's happening with the people, and man, there's this lady named Mary, she's really cool, and and then there's this guy who got saved and, 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 and he's just kind of growing and becoming a leader. He's starting a small group. I think it's really cool. And the Bible says he starts talking all about the people in the church. So when Paul decides to write to Colossae, he's like, I got to tell you some things about your hometown hero. I got to put the spotlight on the guy that really matters here because you're probably so excited to get a letter from the guy whose name's in lights. I wanna tell you, I'm not that special. The guy who's most special in this story is Epaphras. You wanna talk about shifting the spotlight? You wanna talk about the kind of guy who deserves that? Paul tells us what kind of a guy he was. He says five things about him that I think are kind of interesting. And when I read these five things, what I realize is he actually doesn't promote Epaphras with the spotlight because he says Epaphras is a really good preacher or Epaphras is really great publicly. He doesn't even say Epaphras is a good guy because he's the Midas man. Everything he do turns, everything he does or touches turns successful. He doesn't say any of that. But he says these five things. The first thing he says is this. He's a bondservant. He's a bondservant. A bondservant is someone who doesn't work for wages or for their own personal comfort. Are you kidding me, Paul? That's the first thing that you're gonna promote when you talk about this guy, Epaphras? Why don't you talk about his multi-site church? Why don't you talk about his kids who were perfect? Why don't you talk about their degrees and, and the influence they're having all over the nation? Why don't you talk about that? He says, because none of that really matters if you're not first a bondservant. Can I stop and encourage you today, church? Some of you are not working in your home, in your family, or serving in city kids, or giving in the offering because you get any public accolades. You're doing it because you're first a bondservant to Christ. And I wanna tell you that that is honorable, that is valuable, that is a necessity, and that is someone whom God loves, and it is deserving of all of the spotlight, not just a one-time spotlight. You are a hero in the kingdom of God. Can I hear a big amen about that? You're a hero for every mom who's been faithful with their kids, for every dad who's prayed and sought God because you're a servant of Christ and you're saying, I, I wanna kill him, but instead I'm gonna love him, which we've all done. Come on, all the parents in the room. Maybe we should edit that off the video, I don't know. <laughs> no, there's days that aren't good. 
And there's periods of time that aren't hugely successful by outward variable. But I'm here to tell you today, those who become a slave of Christ actually give them their whole selves over to the purpose of God. And because they're a bondservant, secondly, he says he is faithful. This guy's a bondservant first, but secondly, he's faithful. Faithful what? Faithful in little things. Faithful in great things. Faithful in the way that he uses his money. This guy, you can count on him. There are some of you that wonder if you're successful. You just sit in the same chair every week, and when you turn and you smile at somebody and you give them a hug, you are the only consistent thing in another person's life. Your faithfulness to church, your consistency in attendance and checking your kids into city kids and teaching them a pattern when all of the rest of life is chaotic actually makes you a hero in the kingdom of God. Paul over and over again chose people because they were faithful. He chose Timothy because he was faithful. The Bible says Timothy was actually in the church at Lystra and Derby for five years and hardly anybody outside of that church even knew his name. But when Paul came back on a second missionary journey, the Bible says they started to tell Paul of this young man named Timothy who was faithful. Before Timothy was ever the pastor in Ephesus, he was faithful in Lystra. And I want to tell you today, your faithfulness just to parent, your faithfulness just to pay your bills, your faithfulness to attend church, your faithfulness, by the way, to your spouse to not step out on them and actually take uh, the opportunity to, to live an immoral life. Your faithfulness in the kingdom of God is rewarded, it is noted, and it is deserving of spotlight in God's eyes. But he didn't just say faithfulness. He said this guy is also living among the people. This is what he says in Colossians chapter 4, verse 12. It says, Epaphras, who is one of you? Can I encourage you today that heroes find community? Heroes find family, and they're, they're, they're noticed as consistent and faithful and bondservants in a particular community. Can I encourage you today to find your place in the church? Can I encourage you that heroes actually live among other Christians and, by the way, non-Christians? Jesus himself, the Bible says, had dinner in Zacchaeus' house. He actually spoke with and related to a prostitute. When you talk about this man, Jesus, there's something about his interactions that caused people to start to say of him, this guy's a friend of sinners. Somehow he could slip through a crowd and find his way through the crowd without being arrested. When he was in the garden late at night and Judas betrayed him, he had to betray him with a kiss because Jesus himself needed to be pointed out. He didn't live with expensive robes and rings and in some type of relationship with people that kept others distant from him. Rather, he lived his life among the people. I want to tell you, heroes are hometown people. Well, Daryl, I've just lived in Clark County my whole life. I live in a neighborhood. I, I work over here and I do this little job and I raise my family. You're a hero in the kingdom of God. Live among other people. Use your life to influence those people. Be a normal person in this city. Attend church. Be faithful. Give your tithes. Serve God. Raise your family well. You're a hero in the kingdom of God. And is there anybody being encouraged in the room this morning? These are the things that Paul, come on. These are the things that Paul is saying, this is what makes a hero. This is what makes a hero. 
The fourth thing is that he, he served other people. He served other people. The Bible says in Colossians 4.12, he's a servant of Jesus Christ. That means he didn't, he didn't demand to be served. He didn't say, no, 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 I, I know I might not be as significant as Paul to be in Paul's spotlight, but hey, in, in Colossae, I am the spotlight and I wanna I want be served. One of the things I love about Jim and Sherry Roberts in the room is, is if they see a spill somewhere in the building, I've watched them go find the mop and start sweeping. And I'm like, what are you guys doing? We'll find somebody to do that. And they said, no, you found us. Well, I mean, don't you, you're business people. You've got success in ministry. Why don't you just go do other ministry things? And honestly, Jim has said to me, there's no greater ministry thing I could do than sweep the floor right here. And I encourage you, moms of young children, when you're wiping those noses and changing those diapers and those that come in and serve in city kids and those that go to youth camp, you're serving, you're serving, you're serving, and you're serving, and you're serving. You're a hero in the kingdom of God. You are a hero. And today, the spotlight is turning from the stage to the people. You are a hero in the kingdom of God because you serve because you serve. The fifth thing that Paul said was that this guy lived completely surrendered. He was completely surrendered, even willing to be bound in chains. In Philemon 23, says, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, I don't know what happened, and I really wish the scriptures would tell us, but somehow this guy, Epaphras, went from Colossae to Rome, said, I'm gonna talk to Paul, and when he got there, something happened, and he ended up getting thrown in prison too. <laughs> what a visit. What a day, what an interaction. Well, Paul, this wasn't what I was thinking when I came to talk to you, but now that we're in prison together, there's a slave issue with Philemon. Can we write him a letter? And by the way, when you write the letter, just greet him on my behalf. All right, I'll, I'll greet because you're my fellow prisoner. And so he writes, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner. I don't know what it was about this guy, but he was surrendered. He was surrendered to even being bound in chains, whatever it took to accomplish the will of God. But while he was there, he wasn't willing to allow his influence to stop. I'm gonna continue to serve. Write the letter, greet him on my behalf. Make sure you tell him that I love him. You don't just stop, do you? You don't stop. No, it's just who I am. Everybody say, it's who I am. See, long before what you do, it's who you are. Long before what you do, it's who you are. And I believe I'm looking at a room full of heroes today. What you do may never be put in lights, but who you are shines far brighter and speaks far louder than any action that you would ever take. Well, Paul doesn't leave him there. He says, no, 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 there's three things this guy does out of who he is, three things he does that I think are so profound, I'm just gonna rattle them off to you and the band's gonna come back. And while they come back, come on back. <laughs> three things that he draws attention to. And I think the reason why he chose these three things is because they're three things that every hero can do. And here they are. Number one, he honors other people. I want you to say that with me. He honors other people. Listen to this verse, Colossians 1.8. He's made known to us your love in the spirit. He shows up in Rome and the first thing he says is, you wouldn't believe these people. That's the first thing out of your mouth, Epaphras? The people? Kind of like Michael Phelps getting the spotlight and saying, you wouldn't believe my mom. 
Really, why don't you just kind of revel in the spotlight? I, I get enough spotlight. I want to talk about the people. Epaphras says, no, you don't get it, man. These people love each other. They speak well of each other. They're always encouraging each other. These people are amazing. Can I tell you that you're one of the most amazing groups of people that I have ever known? City Bible Church. You're an amazing congregation of heroes. Not for what you do, but for who you are. Your servants, you're faithful, you're bond servants, you live among people. Can I challenge you out of who you are to live a life that honors other people? What do you mean, Daryl? Well, what's the first thing that comes off your lips when you think about the people around you? Do you think about who they're not? Or do you think about who God has called them to be? You see, honor actually finds God's dealings in somebody's life. It looks past their weakness, past their failures, past their insecurities, past their lack of public display. It says, this guy's awesome, man. He just loves people. To honor people would actually not expect them to be perfect, but instead lock onto the God deposit inside of them and actually speak well of them when everybody else is speaking negative. Can I tell you that if this congregation of heroes in Vancouver started to honor the weak, started to honor the sick, started to honor older people and younger people and people of different skin color than you and people of different ethnic diversities, you started to honor and speak well of people who didn't believe what you believe, but instead started to bless rather than curse. Do you know what I'm telling you would happen? You'd have impact like Epaphras did far beyond what you'd ever have without honor flowing in your life. He said, this guy honored other people, but not only did he honor them, he prayed for them. In fact, every time I walked past Epaphras' cell, what I heard was Epaphras crying out for other people. Oh, God bless the church in Colossae for Mary and Luke and Paul and all the people back there. God, I know they're, they're sick and I know they're weak. I know they're struggling. It's what the Bible says. The Bible says he was always struggling on your behalf in prayers. That word struggle actually means like intense prayer. This guy's like laying on his face and he's passionate. You see, in a world where we promote Michael Phelps and then we don't really honor people who in the public eye don't look quite as powerful and significant, we certainly don't bring honor down to the level where somebody's just a prayer warrior, somebody who serves God on their knees. Can I tell you that every hero in this room is called not only to be a certain kind of person, but to be a person who acts. And the one who acts, acts in honor and acts in prayer and intercession. You're, you, you've constantly got on your lips a prayer for somebody else. 
God, I love them. And because I love them, and I believe you're gonna turn something around in their life, I pray that you would invade their thinking. And I pray that you would process whatever's going on with them, Lord. Send angels to minister to them. Send somebody to, to mess up their life so that they'll turn around. Just do something profound, Lord, in their life. This guy's struggling, he's interceding, he's praying, and he's persistent. But not only did he pray, the Bible says he went as far as to fight for other people. To fight for other people. Colossians 4 says it this way, for I bear him witness that he worked hard. And some of you, you've got somebody that you know, you don't wanna honor them, and maybe you don't even wanna pray for them because you know the amount of work it's gonna take. <laughs> some of you might, honor people and even pray, but still the amount of work, you just know, man, to really turn that around and really build a relationship and really see that prodigal child come back or get this child through this teenage years and do this thing where to get ourselves out of debt and go back and repent and do what we need to do. I don't know that I wanna do it. Can I tell you that heroes work hard? Heroes stand up and say, all right, God, you've called me. You've put breath in my lungs. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be who you've called me to be because I'm gonna be that. I'm gonna honor people. I'm gonna pray hard and God, I'm gonna work hard. That means whoever I'm offended at, I gotta follow Matthew 18. I gotta go to them. I gotta say, I've got something against you. We need to get the air clear. Sometimes working hard means solving conflict. Sometimes working hard means fixing problems. Sometimes working hard means changing the way we behave in certain environments. Sometimes working hard means husbands and wives go to marriage counseling. Sometimes working hard simply means diving in and going the extra mile. I wanna tell you today that Paul said, this guy Epaphras, he works hard. He works hard. Where in your life do you need to work hard today? What needs to be dealt with? It's gonna take some virtue, it's gonna take some energy. Can I tell you, heroes work hard. I want you to stand to your feet with me this morning how many feel a little bit like Epaphras somewhere in this? There's a character thing that the Lord is pointing out either to adjust or to honor. And you just say, man, I feel so strengthened by this word from Epaphras in who I am today. How many would just say, I feel the Lord speaking to me about this today. How many in your actions, you'd say, man, there's somebody I need to honor. There's somebody I need to pray for. There's some work that I need to do. Come on, how many would just say that speaks to me today? There's something that the Lord is speaking to me about. All right, we're gonna sing this song and then we're gonna close together, all right? So I wanna sing this. Nobody leave the room if you don't need to. Let's just sing this to the Lord.